we're pretty, um, we're a bunch. We, we like to get to know each other, right? This is a connect time. A show of hands, if you would, please. How many of you have ever been sent on a mission to the store for something? Right? You're, you're this, you've been sent. Um, sometimes we're not the senders, we're the sent. Right? We're not the receivers, we're the go-getters. And that's us. Um, some of you, maybe, maybe just refer yourself, you know, you don't really volunteer for anything. You get voluntold to go do something. You get, you get told, hey, he, you know what? He's not doing anything at 5 a.m. in the morning. He'd love to help you pack up your house and move. He would love that. <laughs> no, I'm not bitter at all. <laughs> I'm just teasing. Who here? Uh, show of hands. Um, you've gone into a store, and as soon as you walk through the doors, you have completely forgotten what it is that you went there for in the first place. And you have to stop. You know, I wonder what it's like for security that people walk in and they just stop. I'm like, That's it. And they keep on going. Or sometimes they just got to leave and come back another time. Um, <laughs> how about you've gone to the store. And this is just for fun, right? This is extra credit. Um, you've ever gone to a store for one or two things and you've left with buying things not on those, not, not either one of those items. Okay, sometimes it's referred to as a target run, right? You go in, you see the dollar bin, you get excited, and you buy a bunch of stuff, $20 worth of stuff, you head out, and you forgot the toilet paper that you went there for in the first place. (laughs) We go on a mission, and we get sent on a purpose. Sometimes we remember, sometimes we don't. Or, you know what, if you're like my wife, you have to tell yourself or tell someone else, please... Please stick to the list that I gave you. Please stick with it. See, maybe, maybe you're told that because you're like me. I, I get sent maybe like just to get bananas or cereal or milk or something simple. And I think, boy, that milk. You know what would be good with milk? Some cookies. Let's go see that. <laughs> hey, M&M's. Buy four, get one free. I like M&M's. I know she does. She's going to love this. And you know what? We're going to split this, so I might as well get some peanut M&M's and peanut butter M&M's too. Evan's going to want some, so I better double up. How are we doing on popcorn? And it goes on and on and on. So 20 minutes goes by. She texts, where are you? Be right there, hon. <laughs> That's a fun conversation. We'll save that for another time. There's a TV show that started back in the 60s and 70s called Mission Impossible. It started uh, as just a fun TV show, about 20 minutes long. Um, this guy's, you know, I watched a little bit of it this past week, and it was fun. Those guys knew how to dress in polyester, didn't they? They knew how to do the synthetic fabrics, and their stash was huge. The knot was as thick as their neck, and it grew into a movie franchise that a lot of us know better today. It's a little bit more action, more explosives. Uh, bigger budget, um, but it's still a lot of fun. And what's interesting is at the beginning, every time it starts with some guy who did something terrible. Uh, at first, you know, it was stuff against the government, and by the end, the later episodes, they're running out of ideas. So it's like he sold the government two ply toilet paper and actually gave him one. And all of a sudden, like it's like what? And it's like you need to go and destroy this base that they've got all this stuff in. But every time, it's incredible how I find it completely fascinating 
that it's always kind of the same thing. There's a bad guy who does something wrong, and then there is a mission that, has to, that someone has to encounter. This mission is always sent on a tape, or at first in the 60s it was on a vinyl, which was pretty stellar. And they play this tape or play this uh, device, and it always gives the explanation of who the character was, who the bad guy was, what they've done wrong, and then the always there's the your mission, if you choose to accept it, is yada, yada, yada. And then the famous, this message will self-destruct in five, four, three, two, one. And then something happens and it you just completely deteriorates and erodes, starts smoking, and it's pretty cool. And the guy just walks away like, yeah, it's just my daily job kind of thing. It's pretty neat. Um, I like action movies. I could talk about action movies. We're not going to go on to... Uh, my favorite right now, so that was another time. But interesting, they would always accept it no matter how incredible, no matter how dangerous it was. Wouldn't that make for interesting TV if someone actually said one time, that sounds kind of risky. Nah, not this week. And just left. They just completely dead air. I always thought that'd be kind of a humorous thing to see in a TV show. Um, Completely throw everyone for a loop, I think. But they're always sent on a mission. When we look at the mission of God, is to bring all people to himself. God's mission is bigger than you and I combined. It's bigger than anything that we um, can imagine ourselves. This is something that has been around for a long time. Because here's the thing. He created it. We broke it. He restores it. And we share it. Let's get into it. When we look at he created it, the first thing is, who is he that we're referring to. Genesis 1 says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth, earth was without form, and it was void. And darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. What, he's, what the author is trying to convey here is that there was chaos going on. There was emptiness. It wasn't formed. It wasn't full. It didn't have the purpose yet. But let's take this a step further. John 1. We see something similar. In the beginning was the Word. John would then explain the Word was with God. He was with God in the beginning. The Word was God. Continues on to explain this Word is Jesus. The Word was in the beginning. Jesus was in the beginning. So we read Genesis 1.1. Let's remember as well. Jesus was in the beginning, along with the Father and the Spirit. Look at Colossians 1.16. For by him, that is Jesus, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. It was around 85 A.D., that there was a group called Marcionites. Now, these are Christian agnostics. Christian agnostics are basically, they, it comes from the word, uh, Greek word gnosko, which means to know. Um, Gnosticism is this, is this idea, especially in Christian Gnosticism, is this idea that they were given special knowledge from God that exceeds out of the limits of Scripture, that they were given something special to share with the crowd. 
share with uh, the people around them. And th- they thought that this gave them some kind of special privilege uh, among, among the believers. They thought they were higher up. And they taught, um, these Marcionites taught that God of the Old Testament and the God in the New Testament were two totally separate gods. They taught that Jesus actually came to overthrow the God of the Old Testament, saying that in the New Testament it says that Jesus came and God said, let there be light, and it was wonderful. (laughs) That God came and the God of the Old Testament created and then Jesus came to overthrow. And what's interesting is that's not necessarily true by any means. In fact, they were basically kicked out of the church uh, later on. about one, in about 140 A.D. There's another group who taught Jesus was fully human and then was only given full deity at the moment of his birth, that God was, that God then, the Father, elected him or adopted him. This is also known as adoptionism um, in the early church. That he wasn't conceived as deity, but that he was adopted. The reason I mention these, uh, these two heresies is uh, is for this. I think even today, we hear, I hear people say that the God of the Old Testament is different than God of the New Testament. We read about the Old Testament laws and punishment, and we see these things and war and death, and then we read in the New Testament about love and grace and forgiveness. But what we need to understand is the God of the New Testament is the same God of the Old Testament. When the New Testament is written, the authors didn't have a set called the Old Testament they just had the scriptures. So when they were referring to their audience about scriptures, they're referring to the scriptures that they have as their authority, which is the Old Test- our understanding of the Old Testament. Now, someone even say, we probably shouldn't have Old Testament and New Testament. We should just have the scriptures. Not having a dividing line, but having something that bridges across, going from Genesis to Revelation. If we look into that perspective, we see that there is an overarching theme that goes on. This grand narrative, this wonderful story of God's creation all the way to his restoration. What we see is this. The more we know him and his character, we become more in awe of who he is. We become more in love with him and Remember, love is not just a mere feeling. Love, when we're talking about this, is an action word. It's a verb, okay? It has movement. It gives us direction to what we do and how we do things or even what we don't do. We need to remember that to love God is to practice righteousness. And sometimes that is, that act of righteousness is to not do the sinful things that we're craving, but to do the things that bring glory to God. There are times that Evan and I, hi Evan, hi, he's messing with pens and pens and crayons, he doesn't even care, okay, that we will actually try to outdo one another in how much uh, and what we say that we love each other. So I'll tell Evan, hey, I love you, and he'll say, I love you more, and I'll say, no, I love you more, he'll say, I love you to the moon, I'll say, I love you to the stars, he says, I love you to the universe. Wow, that's a whole lot of love, buddy. And it's in that moment, I think, there's no way for me to actually express what I'm willing to do for him. He doesn't know at this point in his life that I'd be willing to 
give up myself for, for him. And, and if you have someone close to you, to you, you know that very well, that you would be willing to do anything for them. Now, some of you may have prodigals in your life that you're just waiting for, to come back to the Father. Some of you may be the prodigal. But we know, we think about God's love for us. Not only was, is he willing to die, but that he was willing and that he did die. It's incredible what he was willing to do. And honestly, I never knew the love my dad had for me until I held Evan in my arms for the first time. And uh, now he's coming to the age where he doesn't want to hold my hands anymore or, or listen to what I have to say or he wants to argue a little bit. Um, but, you know, no matter how much he, wa- he chooses to rebel, I know that I'd still be willing to lay down my life. And, and you know that, too. Many of you here know full well what that's like. Some of you have no idea, and that's okay. But I hope you understand that God loves you enough. He gave himself up. But while he created this perfectness, we also, we are the ones who broke it. If you think back to Genesis chapter 3, you see Adam and Eve were in the garden. They sinned, both of them together. This was not a, man, boy, I'm hungry, and that apple in that tree, or that fruit in that tree looks really good right now. It's too bad we don't have anything else. No, they, they had all their needs met. They had every need of theirs met. And so they saw this tree. They were told there were two trees in the garden. Remember what they were? First tree was the tree of knowledge, good, and evil, and the other one was the tree of life. God told them not to eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. He never said anything about the tree of life. Well, that we're aware of. So when we read scripture, we know that God told them not to eat of the tree of knowledge, good, and evil, and yet the serpent came to them and said, hey, you should eat that tree of knowledge and good and evil. He doesn't want you. He's keeping something from you. You're not really going to die. But if you really want to be like God, you should eat of it. See, what actually happened was there was a full rebellion to be equal with God, equal to God, to basically become gods themselves. They were no longer content with being the prince and princess of the king of creation. They wanted to be a king and queen themselves. They could have had the chance to live forever had they eaten of the tree of life. But instead, they chose what God told them not to to do. So so when they took it, they realized their fallenness, they realized their immortality, and they hid from God. And God came to them, scriptures say God came to them in in the cool of the evening just to be with them. And he said, where are you? Now I want you to hear this. When God says, where are you? He's not, this isn't a game of hide and seek. He knows fully well where they are located. But something's missing now. That purity, that life that he gave, that he created, is now gone. There are times in our lives, you probably reflect on it, where it was one, or, it was one thing or maybe two things, where you did something, you realize my life is forever changed from this point on. My life's completely different. I don't know how I'm going to move on. And you look back and you think it's a monumentous time in your life. It says, I've messed up. They knew 
they had messed up. They knew they had sinned against God. So God said, where are you? And they said, we were naked and afraid. He said, you're naked. What do you, what do you mean? You didn't know that yesterday. How did you get that knowledge of your nakedness? Because they ate and they messed it up. See, they rejected the Lord's authority by accepting the temptation for autonomy. They threw away immortality for the chance for divinity. They didn't want eternity with God. They wanted to be God themselves. And when we sin, we basically do the same thing. We want what we want, and we want it now. One of my favorite movies uh, to date is Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Uh, Gene Wildman is the original Willy Wonka. Um, yeah, we got we got a head nod. It's like, yeah, that's that's true. Um, and through this whole movie, yeah, I know it's kind of weird. He dresses funny. He's got some weird friends who are orange and green and all that kind of stuff. But there are some pretty catchy uh, tunes involved. Um, but there's one character, Veruca Salt, who wanted the entire world, and her, she got it from her dad, and she said, I want this. And she would throw a big fit about what she wanted, and her dad would bend over backwards to give it to her to the point that she came to Willy Wonka and said, I want it all now. I want this golden egg. I want a goose for myself. She sings a song, steps on a scale, it goes right down, and the meter reads, that was a bad egg. Well, sometimes we see the people around us, and we're like, yeah, they're pretty much bad eggs, too. Maybe you dragged one here this morning, they're sitting next to you. I don't know. Um, and you think, that's a, that's a bad egg. Well, can we be real for a second? If, you're, if you consider yourself a bad egg, then you're in good company, because I think we're all pretty rotten at times, right? Um, Bible says there's not one good, no, not one. Um, for salvation is not based upon works, but upon grace. See, when we think about ourselves or think of someone else as individualized, let me tell you something. God sees a world of lost sheep. He sees people who are on their own in the wilderness. He sees them and he calls us to himself. He calls us to be back in the fold with all the others. And he says, come to me. Jesus calls himself the gate and says, no one is going to enter into my herd unless you come through me. God is calling today. While we broke it, he restores it. Now this is a promise long, long ago. There was a, there was a promise that was given to Abraham. Uh, Abraham was meeting out with God one time, and it was an evening and God said, I want you to take a look at all the stars in the sky. I want you to count them. And it was far too much. We still can't really count them today. And he says, I will make your descendants bigger or as much as the stars in the sky. And Abraham couldn't believe it. So how is this going to happen? Well, eventually he had a son named Jacob. Jacob, as he grew up, he wrestled with God at one point. And all night long he wrestled with God, and it says that the angel of the Lord. Um, there are different interpretations of that, but it says that the angel of the Lord came or said to him, because you have wrestled with God and because you've wrestled with man, I'm going to change your name to Israel. Um, we would see as time goes on, this wasn't an immediate change. This took some time uh, down the road. What we see is that 
Jacob had 12 sons, Joseph being the youngest son, was sold into slavery. You th- if you're a youngest child and you think you got it rough, read, uh, read, Jacob's, uh, read Joseph's story. Um, so he was sold into slavery. One thing led to another, and he became um, second only to Pharaoh. Now, he kept his job eventually uh, after a couple dreams, um, basically kept everyone from dying of famine. He made these storehouses where not only was Egypt taken care of, but the neighboring nations also came to him as well. And he cared for his family. He cared for the Egyptians. He cared for a lot of people and made provisions for them. Um, afterwards, he, let's say, became fruitful to the point that entire people were now called by Jacob's new name, Israel, who would be led out of slavery by Moses into the promised land by Joshua. Now what we see is there is God at the top, and this is from Christopher Wright's book, The Mission of God. Um, If you're big into study, I recommend this. If you have a hard time sleeping at night, I recommend this. It is deep and it is tough to get through. It's only about seven or 800 pages. So there's plenty of there. Uh, so if you want to go for it. Um, but it's deep and it's good. Let me summarize. Hi, buddy. <laughs> sure can. Who's buying? <laughs> um, yeah. Sure, buddy. Why not? Um, so God called Israel his people. He called them out from slavery and into the lands we know as the promised land to give them a place of, his, of their own. He said, I will be your God and you will be my people and I will deliver you into this place flowing with milk and honey. It will be abundant. It will be rich. In fact, in Ezekiel 34, later on he said this, and I will bring them out from the peoples because there are times that People got scattered, right? Israel didn't quite always do the right thing, and they made some mistakes, and God said, you know what? I'm going to use other nations as a means of delivering judgment upon you. And so they were scattered. And at one time he says, I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from among the countries, and I will bring them into their own land, and I will feed them on the mountains of Israel by the ravines and in all the inhabited places of the country. But that's what he says about his people. Let's look what he says. This is a prophecy in Isaiah about all the people. He says, And the foreigners who join themselves to the Lord, that is, all the surrounding nations, not Israel, but coming to, he says, I will join themselves to the Lord to minister to him, to love the name of the Lord and to be his servants. Everyone who keeps the Sabbath and does not profane it, and holds fast to my covenant. These I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in the house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be acceptable on my altar. For my house shall be called a house of prayer for all people. So what we see is God and it had Israel and delivered them into the land. We see God, Israel, land. But that is only a catalyst for what God's true intention is. See, he wants all people, and God has come to restore all humanity and all the earth. God wants all people, and I am so thankful because I'm one of those. You and I are like, are not Israelites by birth, 
We have come because he has come to accept all people to himself. And this is good news for us. This is good news for everyone. This was his plan in the beginning. This is what he created us to be. He created us to be with him for all eternity. And here's a fun thing. We share it. We get this awesome thing. Now, before we talk about this, I want to just tell you a little bit about what we do in Connect Kids. Most of the time at the end of episodes, we have this thing called A, B, and C. A, B, C. You acknowledge your need for a Savior. Acknowledge that it is not by your works that any salvation can exist, but it's only upon the gift of God through Jesus Christ. You acknowledge, you believe that Jesus has come from all eternity, come from this place of perfection and come down to earth, lived a perfect life, died upon a cross, and three days later, according to the scriptures, has risen again. And see, confess to God your need of his salvation, turn away from the things that keep you away from righteousness, from holiness, and turn to God and what he wants. And we practice these things. We also practice believer's baptism. We practice open communion. We practice tithing and giving as a way of saying, God, you have given so much, and I thank you for it. I thank you for all you've done. You've given me eternal life. I want to give something back to you. Because we tend to hold on to money, don't we? It's something that we say, that's mine. That's that's something I've worked for. I'm going to keep it. And I'm just going to give just a little bit away. And (laughs) And God says, you know what? I want you to give that because I'm more than that will ever be. We need to give more. Not saying empty. I'm not calling for take up a second offer or anything else. What I am saying is this. We need to understand that God is bigger than the money that we have in the bank account. And we say it's easy. I know it's easy to say, you know what, I believe in God and I trust him. But we keep pretty close eye on our, on our statements, don't we? Something to think about. We share it. We share what we have. You know, they say the, the best evangelists are those who are brand new converts. You know why that is? Because there's an excitement, there's a passion that they have. There's something that they've realized is, is brand new, and they're excited for what this new life. And sometimes it seems like we can get kind of complacent with, with what we have, or we get into a rut, and we get into this norm, and we put our faith into this category that says, you know what, that's going to be my time for doing that, and I'm going to do that later on, or I do that just on Sunday mornings. And we don't really share what we have, but let me tell you, when Nate Van Ravensway came up uh, a few months ago and he was sharing what he and Hope were doing, he had a really good point. He told me this earlier in the week. Um, he said the Great Commission is not a suggestion to be considered, but is a command to be obeyed. And this is what the Great Commission is. In Matthew 28, he says, When they saw him, that is the disciples, they worshipped him. But some still doubted. Jesus came and said to them, all authority, not just some, not just a little bit, not just the kind of authority that feels good or that is acceptable to you. He said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, there's a command, go, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always 
to the very end of the age. Luke, who's credited to have written both the Gospel of Luke and Acts, uh, r- writes this in Acts uh, verse one, chapter 1, verse 1. He says, In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. And we look at this and we say, what do you mean began to do and teach? Aren't the Gospels filled with all that Jesus didn't teach? Didn't Jesus even say, it is finished upon the cross? Well, he wasn't referring to the finished teaching. What he was referring to on the cross was his sacrificial work to die in our place, in our stead, in our stead. What we see here is that he began to do and teach. Well, he continues to do and teach today. And that is through you and me, through the things we say, through the things we do, through the people we come in contact with. But you may say, I'm not a teacher, I'm not a preacher, but you carry the name mom and dad, aunt, uncle, grandma, grandpa, neighbor, cousin, work associate. You carry these titles and you have a responsibility as well to go not to come, not for, wait for people to, to come to you, but to go meet people where they are. That is the action of the church, to go and spread the good news. So here's the thing, guys. Our mission at Loyola Christian Church, we connect people to Jesus, we grow in Jesus, and impact for Jesus. This is why, this is the mission of Loyola Christian Church, and we continue actually, to be part of the great mission of God. This is how we do it. We connect people. You connect with people all the time. We grow. If you've connected with us online or have recently started coming on Sunday mornings to our worship gatherings, let me say that I'm really excited that you're here. This is really weird for me to be here in a coat and not with a guitar strapped around me. It, it really is. Um, but it's important, and this is something that I'm so thankful I get to share this morning, that we continue to grow, not just on Sunday morning, but it's also what we do throughout the week on how we act, on what we feed into ourselves to always continue to grow. And some of us would say, you know, I've, I've served my time. We've heard that. Some of us have actually said that before jokingly, but you really mean it. I've served my time. I've done. I've paid my price. Um, one, I think that's an insult to God. Uh, and the gift of what he's done. Secondly, even the tallest trees, they drop seeds, and they continue producing uh, new trees. So you're not done growing. Continue growing. Continue making an impact for the world. Now, how do we make impact? We have impact ministries here all the time. From the moment you walk in the door, there's someone handing you a piece of paper. Hopefully, they're giving you a smile and a handshake. Some of you, get, some of you, you get longer conversations than what you, you thought you'd have. There's also the impact of, of student ministry. We have a Connect Kids ministry. Now, when I say Connect, I'm not saying we need people just who are going to teach a three-point lesson each week. The lessons are already prepped. What I'm asking you to do in Connect ministry is connect with kids. Get to know their names. Hear their stories. Share yours. Joke around with them. Give them a high five. Give them a fist bump. Get to know who they are and their parents. So that when you're not in there on Sunday morning, you can go and meet them in here and you can still meet them, give them a high five because they are just as much a part of this body as you and I are. Sometimes it's easy to forget that kids are members of the church. We think, oh, they're kids. They're part of something else. No, they're, they're part of us, aren't they? And we see them as equals because God counts them as equals. He says, do not hinder any kid from coming to me. 
We should not hinder any kid, anyone, no matter what the race is, what their income is, what they look like, what they smell like, how they talk. We should never hold anyone back from coming to know Jesus. And that goes not just for kids, but grown-ups too. Just because they don't look like us or talk like us, middle class in rural Loami, Chatham, New Berlin area, Waverly, we still have a responsibility to reach them for Jesus. How would Jesus treat them? He would, he would treat them by impacting their lives, by sharing something for them, by blessing them. Now, this impact may not be just here. It can also be out. Maybe that's just, you're an incredible giver, and you're very, very generous. Maybe it's mowing someone's lawn. Maybe it's taking time to mow your neighbor's lawn. And when, you know what, and you're not doing it for a thank you, Maybe they do say thank you. Maybe they say, hey, I really appreciate it. And that gives you an opportunity to say, you know what? I'm, I'm doing this because I love my Lord, and he has been so gracious to me. And I just wanted to do this because of an outpouring of love I have for him. And so thank you for letting me serve you in this way. What would it be like if your neighbor came up and thanked you for letting them mow your lawn? Would anyone else appreciate that as much as I would? Yeah, you, Jerry, you can't, you can't tell him you need to come serve me. <laughs> it doesn't quite work like that. <laughs> but I want to, right? Uh, you can mow my lawn too if you want. Um, but we all have this opportunity to impact the world for Jesus. But we can't just say, you know what, I'm just going to let my actions take root and let it do there. We have to be able to proclaim what it is we're doing it for. Because it's with our voice that we give him glory. We promote, we pronounce and announce his righteousness. But here's the thing, guys. The mission of God. To bring all people to himself. This is not a sermon necessarily uh, to give you something brand new. Um, but the intent of this sermon is basically to help us realign ourselves, you as an individual, us as a church, with what God has been doing long before you and I came around. It is to help us refocus and why it is that we do what we do here at Loami CC. Now, if you're not plugged in to an impact ministry, there are numerous ways, and I want you to do that for our church body, for the community, for our nation, for the world. But here's the thing. If our focus is simply to serve for the sake of serving, then I think we've missed the target. But if our actions, acts of love, which are verbs, actions, not feelings, necessarily. If our act of love toward one another and toward others brings glory to God through what we say and through what we do, then that is a mission worth choosing if you choose to accept it. Father, I thank you for what you've done. I thank you for including us on this mission. Lord, we are, we are not worthy. We know it. it is not upon our works that we are blessed to do this, Lord, but upon you, God, and I ask that you would be glorified through it all. So, God, thank you for accepting us. Thank you for restoring us. And, God, I pray for opportunities that we would all have to be sent out to share what you've already started. In Jesus' name, amen.